Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio, and I'm excited today because we have a missionary family, or one of the members of them, that is going to be telling us about his testimony and about their mission and what they do down, and they're in Mexico. And uh, I know a lot of you have been watching the news and seeing everything that's going on down there. And so this is uh, also a really good time to kind of learn more about, you know, what the missionaries are doing down there. So Sandra will be introducing them. Sandra, how are you today? I'm doing good, Todd. We're excited to have Jeremy Crow tonight. He's uh, part of uh, a part of World Mission Outreach, Steve I Victoria, Camulipas, Mexico, and throughout the world, United States throughout the world. And we're just we just asked him to he grew up nearly all of his life in Mexico and he's still serving the Lord. And that's unusual with some missionary kids. So we just have a wonderful testimony tonight. He has so much information, stories, testimonies of growing up as a child in our mission field. And Jeremy, I just want to say hello to you and you well, just hello. minister. Yes, and you minister whatever the Lord has you share today. Go for it. Well, thank you. I, uh, it's a privilege to, to be on the program. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't done one of these before, so uh, we'll, we'll see what we can, we can do to help bless people. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, I can tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Jeremy Crow. Uh, my parents are uh, missionaries in the country of Mexico. They they moved uh, to Mexico when I was almost two years old, and they uh, they started a Bible school. And I grew up working with them in with with the Bible school. <clears throat> and we, as as time went on, my parents added more uh, different ministries. And uh, in the in the early 80s, they added a church and started having church services here in Mexico. And uh, till this day, my parents still live here in the same city in Mexico, and they still have the Bible school and they still have the church. Uh, the church has grown now to a little over uh, 2,500 uh, members, and uh, we have um, Bible school every summer. We we designed there was a lot there was Bible schools in Mexico that would want, run for one year or two years long. And my father really felt that he wanted to do something different because there was a lot of people that couldn't take off one year or two year completely to go to Bible school. And so he designed a Bible school that was a very intense Bible school that would we could do a whole Bible school session in about six weeks. Now, it limits a lot of people on, on you know, there's certain things that we can't cover but the the important things and the and, and about the ministry and everything, but but what we cover in six weeks is what most Bible schools cover in one to two years, and we have them doing four classes in the morning and two in the afternoon, and then services at night. And so for six weeks, seven days a week, they are going nonstop, and 
this allows a lot of people to come in during the summertime and they can do this Bible school and then they can go back to work or back to school or back to their own churches and it's, it gives them an opportunity to study and learn and be able to see what it's like to be in the ministry uh, without having to be gone for a year or two. So uh, we've, we've been doing that and um, I... I grew up working here in the church. I grew up doing, you know, whatever needed to be done. I worked uh, with um, Children's Church for a while. I worked with the youth for for a while. Uh, I did things in praise and worship. I worked in the sound. You know, I did just a little bit of everything. As the church was growing, you know, there wasn't a lot of people on staff. It was mainly just my folks and I, and so we we did everything. Uh, growing up. Uh, I have a younger brother. He's uh, 10 years younger than me. So for the first you know, eight years of being here, it was just me. And then he came along. And, and uh, so I, <clears throat> I got an opportunity to do a lot of stuff with my father during the time. And um, I grew up here. And then in, in, um, when I finished high school, uh, I, I did homeschooling my whole life. We traveled a lot. So I did that. And so when I, when I got older and decided to go to university, I moved to Texas, and I started going to the university there. And um, while I was there, I just, just for some reason, things just didn't seem like it was working the way I wanted it to, and I wasn't happy, and I just realized that there was something else I should be doing. And so I, um, I, um, hold on one second. so when I finished the first year of university, my uh, my father asked me to come back to Mexico to help him during the summertime, which is when we have a lot of work. So I did. I came back, and I worked during the summer. And it, it was near the end of the summer where I just felt like I should stay because there were some things that I was working on. And at the time, I was starting to do more work in television. Uh, we were starting to produce television programs and we were doing radio programs, and I just, I, I enjoyed doing that work, and I felt like maybe that was something I should do, and so I, I stayed, and, um, and as, as time went along, I, I told my dad that I would stay for one semester, and then I would go back to college, and as I began to stay and work, I just realized that there was a calling on my life to, to, to do that, and, um, by the end of the semester, by the end of that year, I just realized that God wanted me to stay full-time, and so I talked to my parents about it, and uh, I just prayed about it, and I realized that this is what I wanted to do. And so I, I went ahead and made the decision to stay, and um, I, worked, I worked in television. Uh, I got the opportunity not just to produce uh, and direct Christian programming. I also got the opportunity to work with a couple secular stations, which I learned a lot from. I got to produce some music videos for some Christian bands. Uh, I got to produce uh, radio programs, television programs for Christian channels and for secular channels. And it was something I really enjoyed doing, and I did that for quite a while. Um, And then as time went along, I began to to grow, and the ministry began to grow, and so we added more people on staff. And it finally got to the point where I realized that, that, you know, there was other people on staff that were just better at it than I was, and I, and I knew that. And, I, and I, I started turning it over to them more and more and letting them do more of the work. And at that time, my father started asking me to help him out in the office. And it was something I'd never really done 
Uh, I had helped out, but I'd never really done before, so I started doing that. And as as time went along, I just started spending more and more time in the office, and then I realized that it was something else I enjoyed doing, and, and, and the area of, of um, being an administrator was something I enjoyed. And, um, you know, a lot of people expected me sort of to, to take over as pastor of the church or to be associate pastor of the church or or something like that. And, and, I, and I, did, I did minister in the church, and I did work with the youth a lot, but I never really felt a calling to be pastor. And I think, I think somebody, to be a pastor has to have a special calling. It takes a special heart. It takes a special desire. And I just never really felt that. But I did feel that I enjoyed working in the church, and what I did was important. And, and so I began to work more in the area of administration. And um, I did that for a while, and so now... This has been about seven or eight, about seven years ago. Uh, I took over as the head administrator for the association. So it's not just the church, but it's also an association here in Mexico that we have different outreaches. And then we also have churches across Mexico and a couple of the United States. And so I oversee all of our employees, which right now we have about 57 full-time employees, not counting volunteers. And uh, I oversee the finances and all of the office work. And uh, that's what I've been doing. And so it's, it's a lot of times people don't think it's as glamorous as, as being the person up on the stage and ministering and, and, and preaching, but it's just as important because what we do here in the office allows for the pastors and for the leaders to be able to do their work outside. And so I oversee a lot of the ministries, and I oversee a lot of the different works and projects that we do. Um, and it's, it's something I enjoy doing, and I think that it's, it's God's really blessed me, and, and God's blessed his church, and it's given me an opportunity to work with my dad and help him carry out his vision of what he wants to do with the church. And it's, it's not something that's always been easy. For any of you out there that have ever worked with your parents, uh, it's, it's not always easy because, you know, it, it's not just your boss. It's also your mom or your dad. So sometimes there's conflicts there, but... You know, I've learned, we both, you know, both of my parents and I have learned to, to work with each other and, and to respect each other and to be able to, to get along. And even though sometimes we disagree on certain things, but, but be able to work together because we know that, they, that God has a plan. And um, so right yeah. now we, go ahead. Go ahead. That, that, that sounds so good because... Behind the scenes, there needs to be as much going on as when it's public ministry yeah. to keep things well, most, going. Most, you know, most people don't realize all that goes on behind a church. You know, most, most people come to service on a Sunday. It, it doesn't matter if it's a small church or a big church. You know, they come to service, and when they walk in, the, the auditorium is clean, and the bathrooms are clean, and there's people handing out flyers and... and um, and brochures for that week, and then you get up, and they people sing, and then the person ministers, and then you go home, and then that you just think that that's, you know, that was a service, and it was so great, and you see the pastor or the the praise and worship leader or the people in the in the band and everything, but you don't, you know, most people don't realize all that goes on behind the scenes of we have, you know, what it takes to be able to put all that on, and and even though it's a church service, it's it's an entire production of you know, during the week we have to have somebody doing the designs for the flyers, and we have to have those printed, and we have to 
we have to have the cleanup crew clean the auditoriums and clean the bathrooms, and then that also involves buying the material and making sure we have toilet paper and cleaning supplies and, and paper for printing. And so all of that stuff that, that it takes, you know, like for our ministry, we have 57 full-time employees. And, and so it, it's not just a couple people. I was just in a, in a uh, conference with some other ministers, and the, and the minister, the, the, the leader got up and said that they have 500 full-time employees. <laughs> And and so you know I think fifty something full time employees is is a lot and then I hear him say he has five hundred and so it just there's so much that goes on behind the scene that people will never see and then and 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 our job and the people that work with me is just as important as what the pastor is doing or what the praise and worship leader is doing because without us they wouldn't be able to get up there and do what they do and it's, it's, so it's a team effort you know they get more of the praise because they're the people that are out in front they're in front of the cameras in front of the people and they get seen but but we all know that it's a it's it's an effort it's a team effort and i tell a lot of people you may not you may not be called to be a pastor you may not be called to be a praise and worship leader or to be a youth pastor or or whatever position you know you may be called to be a secretary you may be called to do other work at at a church and that's just as important even though you don't get the praise or even though you don't get the recognition or the people don't see you doing it it doesn't matter because we're not doing it for that we're doing it for God and and I have people that 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 work on staff that are in the cleanup crew and those same people that are here 5 days a week cleaning the bathrooms and the auditorium when they're not working here, they're working as leaders and helping lead home cell groups and, and ministering to people and going to hospitals. And so they're, they're, they're reaching people with the gospel, and they're doing great things, but at the same time, they're also working a job here. And so no, no job is too small or no job is, is unimportant. It all, it's all of us working together to be able to, to, to have to a ministry. To bring about what he wants. Yeah. Uh, whatever hat he puts on your head, you need to do it with joy yeah. in the best way you can. Uh, that that's that's awesome that that you gave gave that, Jeremy. What uh, I I wanted you to mention. I always admired your dad and mom. How how they uh, no matter how busy they were, what was going on, they took family time. Speak a little bit about that. I mean, from fishing to to hunting, to just being together. Tell a little yeah, bit I, about I think that. that. You know, when it, it was different when we, when I was growing up before my brother, before my brother was born. So the first ten years of my life, you know, I, I was with my parents constantly. We traveled everywhere together. We did everything together. And and uh, you know, I was homeschooling, so I wasn't at a I wasn't at like a school. I was doing you know I was at somebody's house doing the work, but. I was always with my dad, so we were, we worked together, we did things together. I mean, by the time, even when I was young, I was doing carpentry work and construction work and doing stuff, helping my father, and so we spent a lot of time together. And there was a time that um, you know, all of our, we, we all go through a time in our lives, especially when you become an adolescent. You know, between you know, after you're ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, and that that area where you go through a hard time. And the changes, and emotionally and physically, and and it was during that time that my father was working not only here at the church and in the ministry, he was also working for a ministry in the states, and so he was gone constantly. 
And that was very hard on me because I was used to having him around and being with him constantly. And so during this period of time, he was gone. And that caused a lot of problems in the family because I became very angry at him. I became angry at my mom. I became angry at God because in my eyes as a young adolescent, I was thinking, well, God, you've taken my father away from me. And my mother at that time had a very young son, which is my brother, and so she's taking care of him, and she's trying to do as best as she can with me, but I was just angry all the time. And I was taking it out on her, and my dad wasn't there. And so when my dad would come around and, and, and be here when he was not working at this other ministry and traveling, then I was always upset, and I didn't want to spend time with him. And this went on for quite a while, and I began to get into trouble and do bad in school, and I just began to act out. And it wasn't until... Excuse me. It wasn't until um, my dad just began to pray and, and realized that there was a there was a bad problem going on and that, that something needed to change, and he realized that he he needed to spend more time with me. So we we took a trip together, just the two of us, and uh, that that really changed a lot of things for me because during that time we we spent about three weeks together and we traveled and we did things and. We talked a lot, and it, the first week it was very rough because I didn't want to talk to him, and I was very upset. But as time went by, we began to talk, and he began to explain to me that you know this was something he he had to do at the time. It was something that was that was necessary, and that it wasn't something he wanted to 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 do. You know, being away from the family, but it was necessary, and that it was only temporary, and that he still loved me, and and we were able to get you know build our relationship back up. And so once once we got off of that trip, I realized that. You know, he really did want to be with me. Now, you have to understand, this is before we all had cell phones and FaceTime and Skype and yes. all these other things and Facebook and all the stuff where you can keep in contact 24 hours a day. This was when, you know, he, he didn't have any way of calling us and we didn't have any way of calling him other than if he called the house and if we weren't there and he was always out. And, and so, you know, things have changed nowadays that when I travel now, I can be in contact with my son 24 hours a day. I can... He can talk to him as soon as he gets home and, 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 and everything. And so it's, it's a bit different, but, but we were able to restore our relationship. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I see in ministry is, is people always say, God has to be first in your life. And that is true. But people, the mistake they make is they think that God being first in your life and the ministry being first in your life is the same thing. They, they tie the ministry and God together, and it's not that. That's two different things. Your personal relationship with God is one thing, and your relationship or your work in the ministry is a second thing, and they're not tied together. And so the important thing is, you know, God needs to be first in your life, but your family needs to be second, and then the ministry can be third. And then from there, you know, whatever else, is, whatever else you have in your life. But your family must come second. And most, most ministers, you know, I grew up around other missionary kids, and I grew up around other, other pastors' kids and other people like that. And I always saw in 99% of the cases was the parents always put the ministry before the kids or before the family. So they would drop everything they were doing and leave their family to go minister to somebody that was having problems. Or they would 
they would skip out doing activities with their kids to go uh, help out a family who was having problems with their kids. And so as a child, you see that, and you see your parents not spending time with you to go spend time with somebody else in the church because they're the pastors and they have to go counsel them or they have to go help them out or they have to go pray for somebody in the hospital. You know, I know that's their job, but when, when that begins to affect of they're not doing anything with you because they're, doing, they're spending all their time with that, then that's where the, the problems begin. And that's where a lot of the anger and the frustration happens because you feel that, that they care more about the other people than they do you. And they care more, and, they, and God cares more about the other people than he does you. And so it's not, it's not that God doesn't care about you. It's that the parents are making bad decisions, and they're, you know, and I know, I, I know that sometimes you do have to go pray for somebody. You go have to go counsel somebody. But you always have to make sure that your family comes first. And, and that's what most, most ministers don't do. And I've seen it time, and I still see it to this day, time and time again, I see ministers and pastors always putting everything else before their family. And they always say, well, you know, we all have to make a sacrifice. Well, you know, even though the pastors were called to be pastors and stuff like that, it's not their kids' responsibility. You know, there's a calling on everyone's life, but, but they need to understand that, that their, their kids and their family, their husbands, their wives need to come first. And out of all the people that come here to our ministry to ask for counseling and, and have problems in their marriage or with their kids, it usually, if they're in the ministry, it comes back to something in that area of them not spending time with them, they're not, they're not giving them the opportunity to, to talk, and it builds up a lot of problems. And so I think that that's one of the things that my dad realized early on that he needed to change, and he did change. And that made the big difference in my life. And I think that that's why I'm still in the ministry today was because my dad made that change and he put me and my mom and my brother before the ministry. Now, that doesn't mean that he's with me all the time or that sometimes he has to go away or sometimes he has to minister and we have to counsel, we have to cancel maybe going out and eat or something like that. And I understand that. That can happen once in a while. But I know that I'm more important to him than anything else. That's the same way good. my brother, the same way my mother yeah. are. And, and, and because I know that, and because he shows me that, then I don't have a problem if we have to maybe not see each other for a day because he's busy, or maybe I'm busy. And, but I know he's there for me. And I think that's, that's the important thing. And I think that applies in, in, in everybody's life, and, and not just in the ministry. You could have a secular job, and if you put your job before your family constantly, then it's going to cause problems. And if, you, and if you don't take the time and effort, you know, some of you may have jobs that you're working long hours. But if you do, then you need to, in some way, you need to take the time to spend with your family and let them know that when you are not, when you are not working, you want to be with them. And you want to spend time with them. And you want to do things with them. And you want to sit down and talk with them. And... I see, I see nowadays a lot of parents just don't talk to their kids. And uh, I've been married 16 years, a little over 16 years now. And uh, my wife and I, we have a son. He just turned 15 a couple weeks ago, and that's sort of a big change for us. He just started high school, which is sort of a big deal uh, for us. It's a big change for all of us. 
And but but we one thing we've done ever since he was little was we've we've taken the time to sit and talk with him and and be open to talk about any subject or any problem or whatever is going on in his life and no matter how you know maybe ridiculous it might sound to us as adults maybe to him it's something that's bothering him or he's going through or he's dealing with or doesn't understand and so we take the time to talk to him and explain to him and and I I see I see him and I compare him to other friends of his or other people that we know that have kids his age and I realize that they don't they don't talk with their kids they don't know what's going on in their kids lives they don't know the problems they're facing in school are the bullying or the peer pressure and stuff like that because they don't they don't want to know I think a lot of the times I think parents just would prefer not to know than to face the problems and and I, I was talking to somebody the other day and the person said to me do you talk to your son about things you know anything you know drugs alcohol sex whatever do you talk to your son and I said yes I do and I said, I'm very open to talk to him about it. And they said, good, because they said, if you don't, somebody else will. And they said, and most people don't realize that. They think, oh, well, I'm not going to say anything. They, they don't know. And that's not true. If we don't talk to our kids about whatever is going on, then somebody else will, and we may not like what that other we person may not like what they what they believe yeah. because we don't know what that we don't know who it is we don't know it maybe it's a teacher in school maybe it's a fellow yes. student yes. maybe it's a, a one of their friends parents maybe it's an older cousin I mean I don't we don't know who and so if we don't have an open relationship with our with our parents or with our kids then it can be very devastating it can cause major problems. And, and I, so I think that's very important. And so I think that, that you know, what's, what's kept me working in the ministry this long, especially working with my dad, and then, you know, working in a ministry this big and dealing with all this, the problems we have on a daily basis, like any church or business or anything like that, it's, you know, it can be very stressful. And a lot of times, uh, you know, there are problems and arguments and stuff and stuff that my father and I have to deal with. And sometimes we can't be father and son. Sometimes we have to be, you know, he's the boss and I'm under him and we have to make decisions. And, and sometimes he has to get on my case for not doing stuff I should have done. And sometimes I have to tell him that, you know, th- you need to get this done or you need to talk to this person. And, and, and then other times it's, it's more of a father-son relationship. So we, it's not easy. And anybody that's worked with their, with their family know it's, it's, it's never easy. But, but it is a, but you can't do it. It just takes, it takes patience. It takes forgiveness. And, and it's something that, that, you know, I enjoy doing. I, I, I enjoy being with my father. I learn a lot from him. And I get to see a lot of things that most people don't see, and I get to learn a lot of things. And it's stuff that I would like to pass on to my son. So yeah. um, I, think that, know, I think that – go ahead. I, I wrote down here, God's heart is for the family. And that is your individual family, his family of children. I mean, I mean his heart is for that and, and putting all of that in the right perspective. You know, I, I know I know people that were missionaries here in Mexico, and and they were here for many years, and the the parents were constantly going out and ministering and getting people saved, but they lost their family during that time. And then yeah. now I look I look back now many years later, and these 
people are no longer on the ministry. They're no longer in the ministry. They're no longer missionaries. They're not even. Some of them are not even going to church anymore. The kids are. The kids yeah. are are not going to church. The kids are not serving God. Some of the kids are now atheists. Some of the kids don't believe in God because they're so angry of all the stuff that they had to deal with growing up. And you think, you know, they say, oh, you know, we got so many people saved and we witnessed so many people. And, and they did. And those people are, are, you know, their lives were changed because of that. But, but they lost their family. Yes. And that's a horrible thing. Yeah, you can think you're saving the whole world and, and to lose your family. Wow, that's you've said you've already shared a bunch of stuff, but I'd like to hear, I'd like to to tell some special testimonies about what the church has, what you've seen. I mean, I remember the rappers. I remember all the kids coming into the old building, and I remember a lot of things that y'all in the outreaches that y'all did. Could you just share a we've, couple of those stories? We've we've had uh, yes, we've we've. Um you know, over the years, there's so many things that are going on. It's kind of oh, hard yeah. to pick just certain things out. Like you mentioned about the about the street kids. Many many years ago, on a on a Sunday morning, we we a group of kids, young kids, came in and they were all they were you know what we would call street kids, or they were uh, you know rappers or dance kids, and they were all wearing the baggy clothes and the hats and the sunglasses, and a lot of them smelled like drugs and alcohol and and some of them were probably high or drunk when they came to church. And they, and they came in and they sat down and they listened to the service and then they got up and they left. And, and it, it, they, they stood out because it was like 15 or 20 of them that came in. And then the following service, they came back again. And, and then we – but one of the things was is we never told them when they came in, we never said, you know, take your hat off or take your glasses off or pull your pants up or, or anything like that. You know, we just – we let them come in. We let them sit down. And, and, and they, they were in the service, and we ministered to them, and we loved on them. And as time went along, they began, some of them began to get saved. And, and then there were some of them that every, every service they came to, they would get up and get saved. And, and we would try to explain to them, you know, you only have to get saved one time. And, and the, but every service, they'd come back, and they'd get saved, and they'd get saved. And, and I remember talking to my dad, and my dad sort of frustrated, saying, well, you know, they just don't get it. And... And it was kind of like, you know, we talked about it, and, and, and God kind of showed us saying, you know, when they get it, then they'll stop coming up. And if they don't, if they don't get it yet, then it's not harming them coming up every Sunday to ask to get <laughs> saved. And, and so we, we let them. And, then, and, and some of these kids did this for months and months and months. Every service, they'd come up and get saved. And, and finally, one day it clicked, and one day they realized. And then so they stopped, they stopped coming up, but they were saved. And then as, as time went by, these kids started dressing differently, and they started taking their hats off and taking their glasses off, and they would, they would shower before coming to service, and they would change their clothes, and then they started uh, doing, wanting to help out in the church and doing ministry things, and then we started doing outreaches with them. And we were able to reach kids in, in neighborhoods that we could have never reached because these kids were going and reaching them because they, these, some of these street kids and some of these gang members, they would never talk to us because we look so different from them. But they would talk to these other kids that look like them, that grew up with them, that, that they've seen before and seen how God had changed their life. And so they would, we were able to reach a lot of people. And, 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 and this has been many, many years ago. This is probably 18 years ago or maybe 19 years ago. 
um, that this that this happened. And, and mo- not all of them, but a lot of them are still in church today. A lot of them have grown up, have been married, have now have kids. A lot of them are, some of them are still ministering. Some of them come to church on Sunday. You know, a few of them went away and maybe didn't come back. But the large majority of them, you know, God really changed their lives. Yeah, he and, sure did. Uh, I remember we, that was probably the first rapper I'd ever even heard of. That before rapping was, as far as I'm concerned, was yeah. was popular, and they break dance and they did all the things, and y'all had them perform in the church there. Yeah, we did. We did a lot of stuff to to help to try to support outreaches. them, and and yeah. and uh, yeah. we did outreaches and everything. And it, and you know, God really changed your life. And 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 you and I were talking about this earlier about, you know, when people are going through times in their lives or, or, or decisions or people are in sin or whatever it is that they're going through in their life, um, it's, not, it's not the church's responsibility to condemn them or to tell them you're wrong and, and, and you know, you need to change and you need to do that. You know, it's the church's responsibility to preach the Word of God and to preach God's love and to love on them. And yeah. if, we, if we love on them, God will change them, not us. If, yeah. if I go up to if I go up to someone and say, you know what, you need to change the way you look and you need to change the way you act because you're wrong, and, and that, all I'm doing is pushing them away. Doesn't matter if you know what they're doing is wrong. It, it doesn't matter if I go up and start saying that to them. I'm, all I'm doing is pushing them away, and all it does is it makes me look bad, it makes the church look bad, it makes God look bad because I'm pushing them away. I'm telling them, on you know, this is. This is everything you're doing is wrong, and and that's not our position. Our position is to teach the word of God, and if we teach what the word of God says, they'll realize that what they're doing is wrong. They'll realize what uh, what's in their life is wrong, and that they need to change. But they need to be the ones to change. They need to be the ones to to be able to to make that decision to change what they're doing in their life that's wrong or what they're, the way they're dressing or the way they're acting or the way they're talking. And uh, some, I met people that came to the church that used to, that would just every other word out of their mouth was cuss words. And, and you would sit around and talk with them, and they just cuss and cuss and cuss and cuss and cuss all the time. And, and so after a while, they began to feel uncomfortable. And, and then they began to stop doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, they just realized that they didn't need to cuss anymore. And then now there are people that you never hear them say a bad word. And they're now they're, they're very faithful in church. But, but they had to change. But we just showed them love, and we showed them that we were going to love them and accept them. And even though we're not going to accept what they're doing, and we're not going to agree that whatever they're doing is okay, but we're not going to push them away. And and I think that's important. I think that's important in the church. I think that's important in our family. I think that's important in our work area. Um, that you just that you love people, and you show yeah. God's love. And 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 those people, when they realize they they know what they're doing is right or wrong. We know that. We know when we do things, we know it's right or wrong. Even though we we can try to fool ourselves and we try to lie to ourselves, but deep down inside, when we do something, we know if it's right or wrong. And, and, and so we don't need other people telling us that we're right or we're wrong. We know it. Yeah. And, and we just need, sometimes we just need people to love us. And I think, I think that's, that's one of the most that, important things. And, that, and that's one of the things that we've done in this ministry all these years is, is just we, we love people and we, we allow them to come in 
and we allow them, and we work with them, and we help them in any way that we can, and and we and we let God change them. We'll, we'll we will never be able to change anyone. We can only change ourselves, but we will never be able to change anybody else. It takes God to do that. And that's why y'all have grown to over 2,500 members. And sometimes the church, it seats more than that, is still full. Uh, would you tell me about uh, some of the projects that you've done down there, like homes for the widows, and there were some houses and different things that really, and also uh, the ministry to the policemen that y'all have done, the outreaches. We have different um well, the church is involved in many different areas. Um, we have a, a, a construction crew that works full time for the church, and so we're always doing maintenance or building things here at the church. But when we, in different times, we've come across families that have had problems. There was a widow woman that uh, her and her kids, their house burnt down, or part of their house burnt down, and so what we did is we we went in and we got money from the church that people gave in donations, and we went and we helped rebuild this person's house, and no cost to them. And this was this wasn't a one-time thing. We've done this many a times with families that just didn't have houses, or they didn't have a roof on their house, or they needed an extra room. And we've gone in and we've helped build that. And we don't charge them anything. We don't ask for anything in return. We just do it just to bless them. And uh, we have. Uh, we have projects that we work with kids on the street. A lot of the kids you've seen in Mexico, and sometimes even in the States, the kids that are at stoplights that are asking for money or washing windows or holding up signs that say, I need money. And, and, and a lot of these are, are kids that are underage, and so we work with them to help get them off the streets and help get them back into school and back with their families. Most of these kids are not orphans. These kids have families. They just don't want to be at home. And the families don't want them around because they're trouble kids. And so we work with the families, work with them uh, to get them back into the home and back, back off the street. We also work with, uh, in the hospitals, we have teams that go to the hospitals, to the emergency rooms, and we give out coffee and we give out uh, snacks uh, for the people that are sitting in the emergency room for hours and hours, and we pray with them if they want prayer. And we give out tracts and brochures and magazines for them to read. Um, we have we have other projects. We work with the police, uh, which has been a very difficult thing with all the violence and all the problems going on here in Mexico. A lot of you have heard in the news, which what you hear in the news is is, is a small portion of what's actually happening. Um, the city that we're in is one of the most violent cities in the world, uh, with all the kidnapping and killings and shootings and car bombs and stuff. And, and it's it's something like you would see in a movie. Um, this affected all of us. And, and we've, we've done projects where we work with the police, we work with the military. Uh, it's been difficult because they, they're very cautious on who they let come in and talk to them or who they let spend time with them. Uh, but we've been able to go in and give them magazines and give them brochures and give out Bibles and uh, spend some time with and minister to some of the leaders. And some of the leaders have invited us back to, to pray over them. And, and so it's, it's, it's a great ministry. Now, the problem that we have is that a lot of times they, they, don't, they don't keep the same guys in, in, in here in Mexico or in the city very long, so they're constantly moving and bringing new ones in and taking old ones out. And so we're, 
we try to build up a relationship, but within sometimes a few months, they take those people out and they bring new ones in. So we kind of have to start from scratch. But we are we are reaching people. We are, and they they see that we are being a blessing. We're not asking for anything, and we're not asking for favors. We're just there to bless them, and and that's what they see, and that's what that that they're that's why they've allowed us to come in and 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 give out Bibles and give out tracts to these people. And uh, I was driving down. We we had these little laminated cards that had prayers on them, a prayer of salvation and a prayer of protection, uh, and then some scriptures. And we had these laminated because we were handing them out to the military. And the military, you know, they're out on the street all the time, and they're on patrol, and sometimes it's raining, and they're getting wet. And we thought if it was just a piece of paper that it would get destroyed. So we laminated them and we were on both sides, and they were, little, they were about the size of a business card, with the letter, the, the writing was kind of small, so we could fit it all on there. And, and one day I was driving, and this was not even in town, this was out of town, and I was on the highway, and there was a military checkpoint. And uh, the guy got me out, and they, they were searching the vehicle, and they were asking me questions, which is normal. They stop everybody. And, and, uh, and so we were, you know, we were talking, and, and I, I, I told one of the guys when I was getting ready to leave, I said, you know, God bless you. And, and um, I told him, I said, hey, I want to give you something. And I, I used to keep these cards in my truck, and I would hand them out. And I got one out to give it to him, and he smiled at me, and he, and he, was, holding a, he was holding a machine gun. Uh, with wearing the full bulletproof vest and all the magazines and all the you know, even grenades hanging from his jacket and everything, and and as he's standing there in front of me holding this machine gun, and I pulled out this card and I said, "I want to give this to you." He smiled and he opened his hand, and in his hand he had one of these cards that somebody at some point had given him, and he was holding it. He was holding it in his hand while holding the machine gun, and he said, "Thank you. I've already got one, and I pray it all the time." And wow. it just goes to show you that we don't know how, how many people we reach. And sometimes they wouldn't let us go in and hand these out. So we would leave boxes of these tracks and magazines at the gate to the entrance to the military base. And we would tell them, you know, please just hand them out to whoever wants them. And, and so sometimes I'm sure a lot of them were thrown away. I'm sure a lot of them were destroyed or thrown in the trash or, or not given out or or stuff, but but you never know. You know, it all it takes is for one person to get something and God change their life. And I think that that's such a, you know, we don't we we won't we'll never know. I guess until we get to heaven, how much or how how many people were have actually touched or are right. blessed are saved. Yes, Jeremy, would would you just pray over just whatever prayer the Lord shows you, and. And then we'll talk again in a minute. In a okay. different light, I want to ask you something. But I want okay. you to pray, prayer of salvation, a blessing prayer, just whatever the Lord has. You do that okay. now. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for all of your blessings. I thank you for the people that are listening to this program and listening to the other programs that you're, you're touching their lives, Lord. Thank you for blessings. I thank you for your protection on their lives, for your blessings on their on their families, on their on their finances, in their work. Letting them be a blessing to others, letting them be a light, make a difference. And and I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us, for all of your blessings on our lives. Thank you for for being there for us. And I thank you for for your son, Lord. And if and if if you're if you're listening to this program, and 
you've never asked Jesus into your, into your life. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. A lot of people say salvation, and, and they, don't, they don't understand what that means. But let me explain to you. God created us, and he wants the best for us. He's our Father. And we've all sinned. And, as, as, and there used to be a price that was, had to be paid in blood, a sacrifice that had to be paid for, for, for forgiveness. And Jesus Christ, God's Son, made the ultimate sacrifice, and he came to this earth, and he died for our sins so that we could all be saved. And the only thing that he asked is that we recognize him as Lord and Savior. We recognize him, that he died for our sins, and we ask him to be a part of our life. We ask him to come in and to save us and to cleanse us and to have a personal relationship. I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about an association. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do is just accept him and believe that he is the Lord, he is our Savior, and that he died for us. And that, doing that is what makes you saved. Doing that is what brings that relationship in with, with Jesus Christ and with God. And that was what is our ticket to be able to get to heaven and to have a, a, a life full of blessings. You know, there are, there's still going to be hard times in our life. There's still going to be things that we're going to have to deal with and problems. But God is with us. And so if you're listening and you say, I've never said that prayer, I've never said those words, I'd like you to pray with me. I'd like you to repeat these words. Say, Lord, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to this earth to die for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to wash away my past, to give me a new life. I thank you for your Holy Spirit filling me and being with me. Thank you for all of your blessings. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And if you've said amen. this prayer, if you've said this prayer I, want to, I want to encourage you, uh, find a church. Uh, you can contact this ministry, and there's, there's information on maybe if you, if you don't know where church is, you can, we can try to help you find a church in your area. Uh, I'm in Mexico, so I don't know a lot of churches in the States, but I know there's a lot of information out there on the Internet. And find a church that is a spirit-filled church, is a church that is teaching the Word of God, that is going to teach you what God wants for you, and go to that church. Be, be involved in that church. Get involved with maybe a, a group where you can learn more about the Bible and, 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 and try to build that relationship with, with Jesus. And, and you know, there are, there's always going to be hard times. There's always going to be difficulties. But God is with us, and he has the best for us, and we just have to believe and trust in him. Praise God. That's good, Jeremy. Hey, before before uh, I, I've got to I've got to get off, but I was just going to say that uh, I may be calling you to ask you some questions because we're going to be doing our first TV show coming up soon. So okay, yeah, so just, I was... just giving you a warning. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Anything I can help you with, you know, I'd love to. I well, appreciate everything that you're doing. 
Well, remember, we, we wanted you to start doing some shows in Spanish, but we'll talk about that down the road. But we can, we can do something that later on, yes. Yes, but I'm going to change this totally. I wrote it okay. down, and I, I know I'm supposed to bring it up. Tell us about your beard and, and the treatment oh. that the Lord gave you that you developed for your wonderful-looking beard. Well, and thank it's also you. good for women's hair. So tell us about that, and we'll post that uh, on there also. I've well, I've I've had a beard as this as long as I can remember. Ever since I was started growing a beard, I've always had one. And I just as my beard began to get longer, I just realized I needed to to put some stuff in it because it was starting to get very dry. And 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 uh, so I I was buying stuff products, beard oils and stuff online, and I just they were very expensive, and I didn't really know what was in it, and some of them caused allergic reactions or the other ones I didn't like and everything. So I just started working on making my own. And so after about six months of, of trying different recipes and different things, I kind of came up with my own formula. And so I started this sort of a business on the side that I do at my house and I make uh, products for, for beards and for your hair. And so I make beard oil, all of the stuff that we make uh, that my, my wife helps me is 100% organic, uh, so we don't put any chemicals or any um, anything bad in it. It's all natural, and so we make beard oil, we make beard balm. Uh, I, I'm making uh, shampoo. Uh, we also make soap, uh, and so all of the stuff is for your beard, and um, it, it's great for your hair. You can use it on your hair. Women, my wife uses it a lot. She she sells it to her friends. And it's great for damaged hair, especially women who color their hair or do a lot of dry their hair a lot and put treatments in their hair and, and curl it and straighten it and all that stuff that their hair gets damaged. And so this oil is really good and it works great. And um, we have the company is called The Bearded Crow, which is my last name. And and, um, and so you can look us up on Facebook. Um, we're we're selling mostly in Mexico, but pretty soon we're believing to be able to start selling in the states through uh, Amazon. Uh, I've already contacted them, and we're working out some of the details to be able to start selling through them. Uh, but you can look us up on uh, on Facebook. It's Facebook uh, dot com slash the Bearded Crow, and you'll see we're we're the only ones called the Bearded Crow on Facebook and. Uh, You'll see now the web the, the page is half Spanish half English. So you just kind of have to if you see stuff in Spanish, just keep scrolling and you'll see stuff in English on there. And it talks about all our products and about what's in it and and how it's made. And um, and it's just you know something we started doing on the side, but it it it's uh, sort of a business, but it's something that that's really good. And I it's something I use every single day, and and uh, and I think people really enjoy it. Well, your beard has never looked better, but well, as, I was as I was praying about what I was going to ask you, well, then I wrote down the beard, and, and I know the Lord wanted me to have you share that. So that, well, that, thank you very much. We can go off with the, with a smile, but you do have a good-looking beard. So, thank you. So, Jeremy, thank you for sharing. You shared a lot well, of Thank really you so much for having from me here, and um, the... Uh, I don't. I don't know. Maybe y'all can put my information up. Um, yes. If yes. Anybody we wants, will. If anybody wants has any questions at all, wants to contact me, my phone number or my email will be well, there. And yes, um, well, 
and Todd will be putting your, you know, the email and the ministry's email and 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 whatever else. He'll talk with you later. And this was just an awesome time. And you know, even though we're just speaking here, God, I believe God was totally in control of that. You shared a lot of things from your heart, darling. So. Well, thank, thank you. you so much, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me, and and God bless everyone. And uh, thank you for all the work that y'all are doing in this ministry, and this and, and this is helping out a lot of people. And a lot of these subjects that people need to hear about and realize that they're not alone, and that they they there are other people that are going through the same thing that they're going through, and giving them hope. And that's that's an important thing. And just sharing that God loves us, and He wants the best for us. God is good all the time. So. All the time. Thank, well, you. thank you. Thank you okay, very much, Okay, then. Well, I'll say that's a wrap.